Good morning, Centerway Church. My name is Meredith, and I'm thrilled to be gathering online this morning. Hello to everyone on our Sunday morning live platform, including those gathering in watch parties, and hello to those watching or listening to this later. We really are so glad that all of you are choosing to be with us today. A special welcome to those of you joining us for the very first time. You're about to hear some information that we talk through each and every week so that you, our guests, as well as everyone else, know a little bit about what to expect and how to engage. First of all, this season, it's an ever-changing one. It presents various challenges. If you or someone you know needs assistance or prayer in this time, we would love to help you any way that we can. Also, if you have any ideas on ways to serve each other in this unique season, please email us at connect at centerwaychurch.com. We love the opportunity that we have to continue to resource you in this season so that you can keep growing spiritually. There are opportunities available for you and for the whole family. A few of those that I'll point out are our Monday, Wednesday, Friday devotionals, which you can sign up for on the Next Steps page of the website. Also, there are wallpapers to remind you of the weekly application question and a message just for our kids. Our Centerway kids learn from the very same scriptures that you're about to hear, but with kid-friendly content. So if you have kids in your home, you can discuss and apply the word and grow as a family. It's really awesome. All the resources that I just mentioned and more are available on our website. If you would like to share your info with us, if you wanna give, uh, take next steps, find previous messages, share this message, or request prayer, you can do that on our live platform, or you can do that on our website if you're watching or listening later. Uh, just so you know, we have a mailing going out this week, so if you're not part of our mailing list already, you can sign up for that on the Next Steps page of the website. Also, uh, we would love for you to pray with us about something. Uh, we have some things in motion, ways to connect in person, but as you can imagine, there are some significant hurdles, especially because we don't have our own building at this time. And so we'd love for you to pray with us to that end, as well as keep your eyes peeled for email updates uh, if and when that can happen. Now here's what to expect today. Naomi will be reading the scripture text for us. Claude will be communicating from the Bible, and then you'll hear some ways to respond in worship. Immediately after the message, you can join us live on Instagram or Facebook as a way to respond through song. Here's Naomi with the text for today. Good morning, Centerway. I'm Naomi and I'll be reading the scripture for today. It's from 1 John 5, 13 through 21. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. And this is the confidence that we have toward him that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we have asked of him. If anyone sees his brother committing a sin not leading to death, he shall ask and God will give him life to those who commit sins that do not lead to death. There is sin that leads to death. I do not say that one should pray for that. All wrongdoing is sin, but there is sin that does not lead to death. We know that everyone who has been born of God does not keep on sinning. But he who was born of God protects him, and the evil one does not touch him. We know that we are from God, and the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding, so that we may know him who is true, and we are in him who is true, in his Son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. Little children, keep yourselves from idols.
Good morning and welcome. My name is Claude. My wife Meredith and I are the lead pastors here at Centerway Church, and uh, we're excited that you've chosen to be with us this morning. We're not only continuing, but we're actually concluding the series for the love today, which is a journey through uh, the book of 1 John, if you can believe that. We've uh, completed that book as as we complete today's message. So um, as you just heard, we're moving through 1 John chapter 5, verses 13 through 21, and this morning's message is entitled, uh, Have Perspective. So for the love, have perspective. Um, when I was uh, when I was younger, I'm not actually sure of the age, and I'm not even actually sure of where we were, but we were at a friend's uh, home, a friend of the family, and. Uh, I remember when we would go there, we would just, you know, there'd be a spread of food out on the table and everybody would just kind of pick at it. And there was always foods we couldn't eat. You know what I mean? Like reserved for the adults. Like, no, 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 no. You get snacks off the kids' table. And uh, and they were always the best snacks, right? They were always the best things that the, the adults could eat. And so there was one thing that caught my eye this one time. It, it almost looked like, uh, like maybe it had chocolate in it. And so I'm a sucker for chocolate and it was a pastry. And so I was like, hey, mom, I want one of those. She's like, no, 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 you, you wouldn't like it. You wouldn't like it. I'm like, that's code for I would love it, but I'm not allowed to have it because for some reason I'm too young. I don't know. And so I'm just looking at it like, oh, okay, all right, all right. And so I go over to my dad. I'm like, hey, can I have one of those? You know, kind of the split and conquer type thing. Like if mom won't give it to me, maybe dad will. And he's like, uh, no, 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 you can't, you can't have that. He's like, you wouldn't like it anyway. Boom, there it is. Two people tell me I wouldn't like it. I would love it. I'm certain of it. And so now I'm looking at it and I just, it's all I want. I'm I'm obsessed with having it. So I'm continually saying, hey, can I have that? Can I have a bite of yours? Can I try one of those? Can I have one of those? I just, again, I was 17. No, I'm just kidding. I was younger, <laughs> but I was younger. I don't remember how old I was, but I was just a, a stereotypical, upon reflection, completely obnoxious at the time. And it's funny because you have no perspective in the moment. You just feel like the greatest injustice in all the world is being done. I want something. Why can't I have it? I can't believe they won't give it to me. They're the worst parents in the world. You know, and you just see them eating in slow motion. And they're like, mm. <laughs> crumbs falling to the table. I'm like, why don't you love your only son? And so, uh, I, I just continued to basically beg for this thing. I was like, come on, can I have, can I have? So finally, in like a fit of fury and frustration, I'm interrupting their conversation continually. Now I understand what was happening because now I'm an adult. And my mom just goes, you want a piece? Here, you can have it. Here, have it. But here's the deal. If you take a bite, you're eating the whole thing. I'm like, Man, are you kidding me? I'm going to crush this thing. I'm going to ask for another. So I grab this thing. I'm like, deal, deal, deal. She's like, you're going to eat the whole thing? Yep. I bite in to this little pastry made by Lucifer. There was no chocolate in this pastry. No, Satan and the demons from hell had gathered the fruit of Sheol, hell itself, olives, black devil olives, which I hate with all of my might. And I know there's some of you that just love olives. Like, oh my gosh, why don't you love olives? I don't know, okay? Because I'm a Christian. And, and maybe people filled with Jesus don't like black olives. I don't know. They're disgusting. They gross this not. I love olive oil. I love olive oil, but olives, not so much. So in either case, this thing, whatever it was, it was a little tart of nastiness, whatever. It was just jam-packed with some messy, nasty, chopped up, gross black olives. And I almost spit it out. My mom's like, no, 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 you said you'd eat it. And I'm like, 
oh my gosh. And so I'm just looking at her and so I'm chewing on it and like, this is my moment. You know, is this what all grown up food tastes like? And so I swallow this thing and she goes, you have to eat the rest of it. I'm like, mom, I don't want it. She's like, no, 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 you wanted it. You've wanted it for the past hour. Me and your father both said you wouldn't like it, but evidently you'd love it. I'm like, <laughs> you know, and so lesson learned, right? Lesson learned, turns out my parents knew what they were talking about and I actually wouldn't like what it is that I wanted. And so here's the question. Why do we think we should have what we want? Why do we think we should have what we want? We don't grow out of that, right? This isn't like a, a trap that only children deal with. You never get out of this cycle of like, when someone says you can't, you're like, I think I want it more now. Like, it's just a continual uh, reoccurrence as you get older, right up into adulthood, you never get out of this phase that there are certain things that you want just because you want them. You just have your heart set on it. Think if we're honestly taking a look, a long, hard look at ourselves, we'd realize how we have a sense of entitlement how we as humanity have a sense of entitlement. And I know that that's kind of a hard pill to swallow. I know that I think, um, you know, we might be tempted to kind of classify entitlement as an issue that, that some people have, like, oh, they have such a sense of entitlement. But it's in, in fact, the reality is it goes much deeper than just individuals. We might even say that the sense of entitlement is like a first world problem. You've heard people say that. Maybe you yourself have even said, you know, first world problems, right? And that this idea of entitlement is something that only first world or progressive countries deal with, that they just want what they want and they feel like they deserve what they, what they want to get their hands on. But the truth is, this is a human problem. It's a human problem. A sense of entitlement is not reserved for, for the spoiled, Regardless of where you are socioeconomically, regardless of where you are in age, humans are born with a bent towards getting what they want, what they believe they deserve. They don't always get it, but everybody wants something they don't have. This services in many ways from material possessions that we want to a promotion that we think we deserve, right? Or maybe there's a even smaller things like these claims of injustice, like maybe a grade that we think we deserve when we got a grade that was a little less than, than maybe we thought it should have been, or playing time that we think we've earned, and how dare the coach not put us in, or how dare the coach not put my kid in, or whatever, this, this sense of entitlement. It goes from larger things all the way into smaller things, like maybe even the nap that we're confident we have a right to take, you know? It just spills out of us, this idea that we want what we want. So whether it's big or small, the truth is, as humans, we want what we want. It's a sense of entitlement that functions deep within the recesses of our heart and mind. Listen, like it or not, this human condition, it impacts how we view God. Think about that for a second. Like if we want what we want, if we have a sense that we deserve something, and we have a sense of entitlement, like it's absurd to think that that's just reserved for certain aspects of our life. Because if it spills over into to large things like possessions and work and school and sports and all that, into smaller things like just types of food that we want to eat or things that are at a table that we think we should have a right to have some of, like obviously it spills over into 
our perception of who God is, how he functions, what we deserve, what we have a sense of entitlement about. So if you understand that it impacts how we view God, we have to realize that it informs this, this conclusion of what is fair and what is unfair, right? The sense of entitlement, it comes down, it boils down into like, it's unfair that I can't have that. It's not fair that, that I don't get what I deserve. And so if we get this sense of entitlement that obviously informs how we conclude what is fair and unfair, then it actually molds our theology. It molds our theology. It's an incredibly dangerous place to tread because our opinion is entirely subjective, right? But that's what it is. Inherently, it's an opinion. And so your opinion is subjective. And yet, whether you're a skeptic when it comes to the things of God this morning, and you're not even sure if, if God is real all the way up to a professing Christ follower, a committed Christ follower, the reality is this idea, this sense of entitlement, this what I deserve, what is fair and unfair, it informs our theology and it can begin to form what I'm kind of coining as a fairness theology. Like, oh man, I could never serve a God that's that unfair. Or, come on, God, like, I earn this. Like, we're tight, aren't we? Like, I deserve this. It's interesting and dangerous how that kind of infiltrates every area of our lives. And this morning, the author is wrapping up this open letter to a group of churches and is warning them of this tension and its trappings. He's kind of drawing all the things that he's talked about to a conclusion in these closing verses. It's a... It's a section that he starts with kind of a, a summary of the purpose of his letter. And we see that in verse 13. Verse 13 says this. He says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. He wants them to have a sense of certainty, a sense of awareness that, okay, I know who God is. He loves me. I'm loved, and that should inform everything that I do and how I function. And then he jumps into verses 14 and 15 that are kind of grouped together specifically in the context of petition prayer. So he goes from the idea that, that we are known and loved by God to how it is that we should pray. And then he goes into the next two verses, uh, 16 and 17, and talks about intercessory prayer and some rules and guidelines around that. So in verses 14 and 15, he says, And this is the confidence that we have toward him meaning God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests that we have asked of him. So petition prayers. Ask anything according to his will. According to his will. Therein lies the problem, right? People love to manipulate this text to take it out of context. It doesn't say, ask anything according to your desire and you will receive it. No, ask anything according to his will. But here's the, here's the deal. We want what we want, right? We're humanity and, and we're bent towards the idea that something is fair, that we've earned it, that we deserve it. You name it. We've already talked about it. But nowhere in the Bible does it say that people, including Christians, get whatever they want. It doesn't say it anywhere that you should just get whatever you want. God is a good father and loves us more than we could ever love our kids. So if you're a, a parent out there, then that kind of seems impossible. 
you're like, wow, I, I don't know. Like, I, I kind of wonder sometimes that if I maybe love my kids more than my spouse does, like it, it's impossible that God somehow would love my kids more than me. And yet we walk in love that runs deeper than that. We experience God's grace, God's mercy, his patience, the forgiveness to, to a level that we can't conjure up on even our best days if we have kids, right? On our best days towards our kids, we can't be nearly as graceful, as, as mercy-filled, as patient, or as forgiving as God is towards us. I try to be patient with my kids. And, and honestly, I believe I do well most days. And oftentimes, it takes me kind of speaking the gospel to myself to reorient my heart and mind towards them. But I'll tell you what, nights, nights are a different story. <laughs> I, I don't know about you, but you, you wake up 2 a.m., dad. And, and something is wrong with me. Like part of my brain is missing or something. Like my kids, if they wake me up at a, in the middle of the night in a deep sleep, it's literally rolling the dice as to who it is they're going to get. Like I might wake up and just and be like the kindest, most patient person in the world. Or I wake up like scared of them, wondering if they're <laughs> someone like infiltrating my home. Or I'm just like, why? Why are you waking me up? I don't even know, like completely not sure where I am. I'm certain I have a crazed look in my eyes because they look like, why does daddy look insane? You know, and I'm like, I just need to sleep. What's wrong? Like the idea of patience just flies out the window. You know what it's like if you have a parent, I mean, if you have kids or if you've ever been sleep deprived, like it's just, what's going to happen? I'm not sure what's going to happen in this moment. So grateful that God is a better father than I <laughs> And I realize I'm going heavy on the parenting illustrations right now. And so you'll just have to bear with me if you don't have kids because I think that we can all understand the illustration and I think it illustrates perfectly what the author's talking about. As a decent father who loves my kids, I don't give them everything they want. I don't give them everything they want because that wouldn't be loving. It wouldn't be loving to give them everything they want right? That seems kind of common sense, I think. But listen, the reason why I function that way is because I have a perspective that they don't, right? My parents that day, they knew I don't like black olives and they told me I wouldn't like this item. And yet I didn't care about their perspective. I didn't trust their perspective. I was convinced that they were just functioning unfairly. And so I wanted what I wanted. And in the end, when I got what I wanted, turns out I didn't want it at all. And I was devastated by the decisions that I had made. Sounds familiar, right? We live so much of our lives just wanting and wanting and wanting. And then when we finally get what we thought we want, it's not nearly what it is that we desired it to be. And we still have kind of this void in our lives and we continue to search. I have a perspective that my kids don't. And get this, this is going to mess with some people's theology right now. But it doesn't matter how much faith they have that I'll do what they want. I love them enough to say no sometimes. <laughs> Let that sink in a little bit. It doesn't matter that they have a ton of faith that they're going to get what they want. 
Listen, my, my dad's a good dad. He's gonna give me, he's gonna give me this. I know he's gonna give it to me. I know he's gonna let me eat chocolate in bed tonight. <laughs> no, it doesn't matter how much faith they have. The answer is no, why? Because I love them. It's messing with some of your theology and good. That's a good thing because I think sometimes we form theology around the, the, the desires of our heart. We, we formulate theology around our humanity. That's, that's asinine. It, it makes absolutely no sense. God's ways are higher than ours. His perspective is different than ours. And that's a good thing. You know, my kids, uh, from time to time, will, will say, hey, you can, you can choose wherever you want to go for dinner, you know, and uh, we'll, we'll kind of have this conversation. They'll come up with their best three options. I have three children, so they'll come up with their top three options. Some of them are <laughs> very wishful. And uh, they, they bring them in, and then on occasion, all three of them will ask about the same restaurant. Sometimes not, and, you know, it's a thing that we go through to kind of minimize some of the arguing, and sometimes we just say, no. Mom and dad are going to choose, but every once in a while we allow them to choose. And there was a time um, <clears throat> a while back where the kids were kind of arguing about where they wanted to go for dinner and we were on vacation and it was like this idea that, hey, we're going to go somewhere. What do you think? Oh, I want to go here. I want to go here. They were arguing. And so I looked at them. I said, hey, do you trust me? And they're like, what? I said, I, I have a plan. Do you trust me? And they're like, yeah, I guess. And they're a little bit nervous and they're like, but what if I don't like where you choose? I'm like, you're going to like it. Like, oh, I don't know. I don't know. And so it was right on the beginning part of our vacation. We hadn't left home yet. And so um, we decided that we were going to have a meal here before we headed out. And so we decided to have, or it might've been a staycation now that I'm thinking about it. In either case, we go to, I take them to this place that they had not been. And it was dinosaur barbecue. So I bring them to Dinosaur Barbecue, and their eyes are wide open. And if you are listening to this from somewhere else, Google it. It's a great barbecue place. And so they're just like in disbelief. They absolutely love it. My kids are little carnivores, and so they're just losing their mind. They're covered in sauce and just crushing it. And uh, we go out to dessert afterwards, and they're just blown away by the entire experience. They absolutely love it. And so there's kind of this moment where they're like, oh man, this is so fun. I'm like, aren't you glad you let me choose? And they're like, yeah. So time goes by and uh, sure enough, you know, another opportunity to go out and I just look at them and say, hey, me and mom have another, uh, another plan. Do you want us to decide? And immediately there was like a hush over the kids. Like, shh, no, they're going to pick. Let's let them pick. Okay. We, we want to go wherever you want to go. Why? Because the experience they had last time was so monumental. It, it delivered so well that they're like, listen, we didn't even know Dinosaur Barbecue existed until you brought us to this lovely place. <laughs> and so now we trust your perspective. Wherever you want to go, we know it's going to deliver. And so there's this idea within them, let's let mom and dad decide. Listen, where I brought them, where me and Meredith had decided to bring them for dinner, was not even an option. It wasn't even on their radar. It wasn't anything that they considered. Why? Because their perspective of the world was so small, they didn't even know that restaurant existed. So let's, let's connect the dots here. We, we function in our life as if we have this perspective of all the options all the time, that we literally know best about our life. 
That we sit as the God of our own lives on a throne being like, well, I know how this should work out. Surely, Lord, why won't you listen to me? I'm praying with faith. Let me have what I want. God's like, you don't even know the options. There's so much at play. There's so many things at work right now. Will you just trust me? Will you just pray according to my will? According to my will. Listen, I want what God wants for me. I want God's will for my life. Do you want what God wants for you? Do you trust him enough to say you have plans that are, that are bigger than my plans? You love me more than I could even ever love myself. You understand everything that's play, at play. You know all the variables. God, I want your will for my life. I want what you want for me, not what I want for me. He knows you better than you know yourself. He knows the options that you don't. The question is, do you trust him? Do you trust him? Or do you just want what you want? Just want what I want. I want this to work out my way. John's trying to transform our prayer lives with these verses as it's kind of concluding. He's saying, listen, like, let's transform the way you communicate with this God that desperately loves you. He goes from petitions to intercession and verses 16 and 17 are about intercession and it's kind of a confusing grouping of verses. I'm going to read it right now. It says, if anyone sees his brother committing a sin, not leading to death, he shall ask and God will give him life. To those who commit sins that do not lead to death. Okay. (laughs) There is sin that leads to death. I do not say that one should pray for that. All wrongdoing is sin, but there is sin that does not lead to death. It sounds like a super confusing way to kind of wrap up the book. Life, death, I don't understand what's happening here. Well, you have to understand the context. And in fact, as much as this is confusing at face value, commentators actually wrestle with it quite a bit as well. Most conclude that John is speaking of a spiritual death. And as we consider the context, like I mentioned, that there's a a group of people, if you've been with us for any amount of time through this series, there's a group of people that have actually um, split some churches. They are actually against Christ. They're against the teaching of Christ. They've been classified by John as antichrists. And so these, these people that have split off, in, as, uh, split off these churches, now John is writing a letter to this group of churches as an open letter and is dealing with the reality that there's this faction of people on the outside that are facing spiritual death. So John is saying that we should pray and intercede for those struggling with sin, as we all do, as we all struggle with sin. He's made that clear in previous chapters. But that total rejection of the gospel and Jesus, like these Antichrist people, are suffering a spiritual death by choice and shouldn't consume our prayer lives. And so he's kind of letting them know we should intercede for for people that are wrestling with their faith, that are trying to understand the temptations and the worries and the concerns of this world as they navigate what it looks like to be in a loving relationship with Jesus. But there are those that are openly rejecting Christ, that know the truth, that are choosing to live outside of his will, and it shouldn't consume our prayers. It shouldn't consume our prayers because they're walking in a choice even though they know the truth. You see, we're all sinners declaring what we want and what we deserve. And the truth is, because of our sin, 
And because of our rebellion, what we actually deserve is death, punishment, and ultimately hell. It sounds super depressing, but we have to get to a place to where we realize what we actually deserve. If we can't get to the place where we understand the depravity of our own tendencies, the the wickedness of our own hearts, then we can't fully look up and realize that, that God is good and that he's for us, even though we're his enemy. You see, because Jesus lived the perfect, sinless life that we couldn't, and he died the death that we actually deserve. He took on himself what we deserve. And because of the person and work of Jesus, because of his love for us, we can live the life that he deserves. We can walk in the fullness of what it is to be a child of God because of Jesus. Not not so we can get the stuff we want, right? Think about that. That our theology would actually be based on the, the assumption, the preconceived idea that Jesus, the Son of God, deity, came and became man and died a horrific death that we deserved so that when we ask for stuff, we get it. Like some cosmic Santa Claus. It's embarrassing. The thought of that is horrifying. It's so shallow. For the love, have perspective. For the love, have perspective and realize, reset our hearts and minds around the reality that God came and and lived the life that he lived and died the death that we deserve to set us free because there's a plan and a purpose for your life. And it's not about the stuff that you can accumulate or the things that you declare to be unfair. It's much bigger than that. For the love, have perspective. We who are Christ followers are on mission. Our lives are not our own. Our stuff is all his too. We're we're stewards and channels of his blessing towards others. So we pray, according to your will, Lord. God, according to your will. Just so you know, this is what I want. But at the end of the day, you know me better and you know all the possibilities. And so, God, I'm just submitting to your will, not my own. Jesus modeled that prayer. In the Garden of Gethsemane, when he laid down his own life for you and me, he prayed a prayer and said, if there's any way that this cup can pass, but nonetheless, Lord, your will, not mine. And he went to the cross for you and me. Are you willing to pray according to God's will? I love how John ends the letter. He just kind of wraps it all together in such a concise and perfect verse. Verse 21 says this, little children, keep yourselves from idols. Boom. (laughs) Like that's it. End of the day, keep yourselves from idols. Idolatry is anything you love, enjoy, or pursue more than God. Like maybe your own will, what it is you want. Avoid it. Keep yourselves from idolatry. Keep yourself from idols. For the love, let's have perspective. Let's have perspective on what captures our heart and how we pray. Because if we're not careful, that which captures our heart determines how we pray. How we function in relationship with a good father. We say, every week that the text requires something of us. 
And of course, this week is no different. I want to ask you a question. And the question is this, what will I pray about this week? I want you to consider that for a moment. What will I pray about this week? And the reason why we came up with that question and that application from this text is because the, the communication that we have with God is an outflow of the relationship that we have with God. And so what will you pray about this week? What will I pray about this week? Will I, will I pray about the laundry list of what I want? Will I pray prayers of obligation? Will I in some way make the relationship I have with God so shallow and surfacey that I miss out on the intent and the love relationship that he makes available to us? For you this morning, maybe the thing that you need to pray about this week is surrendering your life to God, coming off the throne of your own life and saying, okay, Lord, I want you to be the Lord and leader of my life. God, I want to give you a shot. And so I accept the fact that you died a death for my sins. Would you forgive me of my sins and be the Lord and leader of my life? It's that simple this morning to begin a relationship with the Lord. And so if that's you, I challenge you to, to make that decision, to, to make that application. And if you pray that prayer wherever you are, we'd love to hear from you. If you're on the live platform, you can click to request prayer and you'll be in a private chat with one of the hosts to just walk you through the decision that you've just made. And I'll let, let you know the next steps. If you're listening to this later, you can go to our website. You can feel free to email us. We'd love to connect with you to walk alongside you in this journey. For the others of you this morning, if you've already crossed that line of salvation, what will you pray about this week? Is it, is it maybe praying about perspective around the things that you want, around your expectations, around how you think this should play out, around what you think is fair or unfair? Are, are you willing to just come to grips with the reality of the way you look at the, the world around you, your current status in life, and say, okay, God, would you, would you give me some perspective? What will you pray about this week? Maybe it means deepening your prayer life, extending it, having a, a window of time where you just maybe have a longer time of prayer with the Lord and you navigate what it looks like to just have a conversation with a father that loves you, a heavenly father that loves you. And I know that when we say father, all different types of, of preconceived ideas and learned ideas of who a father is, some really good and I know for some tragically horrible. We're not talking about your earthly experience. We're talking about a father that loves you. For some of you, you've crossed that line of salvation and you live in a, a way that you have perspective continually, asking the Lord to clarify what it is that his will is in your life. But maybe this morning, your application means praying for spiritual conversations to come about with people that you know God has placed in your sphere of influence to reach missional opportunities, opportunities to live beyond yourself. And so I want to challenge you to consider what it is that you should be praying about this week. And maybe it's the idea of extending missional activity. So wherever it is that the Lord is leading you to, to pray, I trust that, that he's laying something on your heart right now. And I just want to challenge you to maybe make note of it, whether you're writing it down or in the notes portion of a, of a phone or something like that, so that you can take action on it this week. Let's close in prayer together. Heavenly Father, we come before you and we declare ourselves available. We pray, Lord, that, that you would speak to us in a divine way, Lord, that you would direct 
the paths of our life. Lord, so often we say that we want your will and yet we're locked up. And Father, we admit today that we're locked up because maybe what we perceive your will to be is not what we want. Or maybe it involves more risk than we're ready to take. Or maybe we're gripped by fear. And Father, we just, we lay all of that at your feet today and we pray that you would lead us and guide us, that you would speak with clarity, that you place people in our lives to speak truth to us and that we would move forward with confidence and boldness because we are loved. We're loved by you and that changes everything. We're thankful for who you are and what you've done. In your name we pray, amen, amen. I want to encourage you to, uh, to join us again next week as we start a new series. You're not going to want to miss it. It's going to be great. Hope to see you then. Hey, Centerway. Loved gathering with you this morning. I just want to encourage you to take some time this week to respond to the word, apply it, and let your whole life be worshiped to God. Don't let what you just heard be forgotten tomorrow. You know, God wants to do something in your life and through your life, and I'm confident that the Holy Spirit will reveal that to you as you spend time together. There are many ways that we can worship. And one of the ways that we get to worship as a church is through singing, which we're about to do if you're with us live. If you're watching or listening to the message later, you can find the songs we're about to sing on Spotify. Search Centerway Church and look for our For the Love playlist. For any resources that will help you continue responding throughout the week or to take any next steps, just visit our website. Now, for those of you gathered on the live platform, we'll see you live on Facebook or Instagram in just a few minutes.